Hey, everybody, welcome to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today on Gear 30, we've got another Shop Talk episode for you, where we talk with folks from one of our Blister-recommended shops to get their perspective on a mix of topics ranging from broadly applicable to all of us to some topics that help us better understand what's going on in the local community that each shop serves. And today I am excited to have Eric Helmbrecht back on the show because it is always fun to talk to Eric and to get his perspective on things since he is the owner of Powderhound Ski Shop in Girdwood, Alaska. Now, of course, if you've been following Blister pretty much at all, then you know that I had to talk to Eric about Jura Coffee Makers, and I have a bit of an announcement about Juras at the end of this episode in our What We're Celebrating segment of Gear 30. But in addition to talking about coffee makers, Eric and I talk about the current skiing around Girdwood, and you heard Cody Townsend and me talk about this too this past Monday over on our Blister podcast. But aside from all the snow that's falling in Girdwood, Eric and I also discuss some of the products that he and his staff and the skiing community around Girdwood have been particularly high on recently. Now, before we get to my conversation with Eric, I want to remind you that our first ever Blister Summit is going to be taking place here soon in Mount Crested Butte. Summit A, as we're calling it, starts on February 18th, and Summit B starts on Monday, February 22nd. This will be an opportunity for you to get on a bunch of new for next year skis from brands like Forefront and Rosignol and Wonder Alpine and Folsom Custom Skis and RMU and Wagner Custom Skis and Dina Star and more. Now, we'll be saying more about the Blister Summit in the coming days, but for now, you can go to the navigation bar on our website, blisterreview.com, and click on the Blister Summit button in the navigation bar and go get a whole lot more details and information about this Blister Summit. So yeah, come make history with us at the Blister Summit in a few weeks. But for now, why don't you listen to my conversation with Powderhounds' Eric Helmbricht. Here we go. Well, Eric, welcome back to Gear 30. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. It's been a minute, so I'm happy that we've got a chance to to catch up here. I think first things first, tell us a little bit about the season you guys are having in Girdwood currently. It's been really fun actually lately to just kind of get updates and reports from people in different parts of the world. So um, tell us a little bit about how it's going in Girdwood. Well, we had a later opener than usual, which was a little bit stressful going into the holidays. We literally, the snow started coming in early November and it didn't really stop until, well, it still hasn't stopped, I guess. Uh, we've gotten, I looked this morning at totals and it was 543 inches so far. And, uh, that's pretty good. Um, we're set to be, you know, a little bit above average if it keeps up. But the, the craziest part is that the resort decided to open the day that Christmas break started. And so there was no warm up. It was uh-huh. straight into it. And not, not only ourselves as a shop, but the resort and all of the customers and skiers and, and riders 
had to kind of go into it cold as well. Usually people are like, okay, the first couple of weeks we sort our gear out. And this time it was like, oh, it's Christmas. We need to do all our shopping and get all our gear <laughs> dialed in the next week. Like, okay, let's do this. So, so were you guys just like went from sort of zero to a hundred like real quick? It was crazy. We were real busy on weekends going into the, before the Christmas break started, before the resort opened. But then it, it was just kind of like, holy cow, hang on. And it was heads down. Don't even think about skiing until after Christmas break. And we made it through it. Our employees are champs. Uh, got people out on the mountain. We turned what was going to, you know, take, it takes a long time to set a family up of, you know, rentals. And we were able to, because there was a line forming with that, we were able to get a lot of them new gear because of it where it's like, Hey, you know what? We, we got room on the boot bench. We don't have room in the rental room. So do you want to buy stuff today? Cause that'll get you out the rest of the season. And they're like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Get me out there. So the hype we've seen be- behind the ski community and new skiers this year has been incredible. And, you know, we were just talking for a minute before we started recording, but, um, it sounds like Alieska, you were saying has done overall a pretty good job of like, you know, just dealing with whatever certain COVID protocols and the rest. And that's another thing I'm just always very interested in is like, how is it going at different ski areas? And, you know, I was telling you, I think that here in Crested Butte, they've done a really nice job of like enforcing, like you're back in the lift line. Hey, everybody masks up, but they're doing it like in a nice way. And we're not seeing a bunch of dumb skiers challenging you know, lifties or whatever, who are kind of trying to politely encourage this. It sounds to me like you're having a similar experience at Alieska. Overall, it's been great. Yeah. Couple, couple little examples here and there that are kind of like, all right, well, maybe this guy's a little tired of telling people to, to mask up. And I understand that. So yeah. it's kind of, it's so nice though. You know, people, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at remembering, but not always the best. And they'll just say, you know, cover your nose, please. You know, little stuff like that where, um, you know, in the bike season, we kind of saw them a little bit more stern. Huh. Uh, I feel like people are biting better now and realize that, Hey, we got to keep these lifts spinning and masks aren't that strange in the wintertime. So, uh, overall they've been doing a, a wonderful job and we are even able to go get our fizzes up top, which I don't know if you know what a fizz is, but it's a staple drink that we drink at the top of the mountain, uh, only in the wintertime. And <laughs> we were all worried that that might get taken away, but we're able to still do that too. So Okay. Okay. Every time I talk to you, there's some weird new thing I learn about. And apparently today it's the fizz drink. Oh yeah. What is this? It, it's, uh, I don't even know. They don't want you <laughs> to know. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good sign. Yeah. Uh, it's white and uh, I think there's some nutmeg on top and uh, pretty sure it's vodka some egg whites and maybe a little bit of soda and whatever else is in the concoction. But, uh, it's one guy, Dave, they call him big wave Dave. He's a mono skier. He makes it himself and he's the only guy to, to be doing it. And he's up there serving it and uh, a little different scene this year, but you can still sit up at the top of the mountain and have them. So you, you can only have two though. They limit you. Two fizzes. Do, do we say two fizz or do we say two fizzes? I, it depends how many you've had. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, be honest. How many fizzes have you ever had at one session? Well, legally two. That's not what I asked you. <laughs> uh, the other day, I had uh, I had almost three, and uh, I realized quickly as I got I was snowboarding that day. Actually, I realized quickly 
that it was uh, one too many. And there's a reason for two. Every time I do more than two, I always realize that. So wait, how many did you say? Or are you are you being coy here? No, no. Uh, it's three. Three is like, three. I had four one time, but it wasn't on Alieska property. It was at a private party that Dave was putting on. <laughs> and, uh, and he was handing them out like candy. And it was like, oh, these are so good. And then, you know, you finish your third one, you realize like your stomach's starting to do weird things. And then you're like, oh, I can do another. And then you realize like, I have to like stumble home now because this is way too much. <laughs> and the next day you woke up and like your head was shaved and you only had one eyebrow and yeah. <laughs> some... Okay. Okay. It was a bit like I looked at my extra tufts and they were covered in white powdery stuff. I'm assuming it was fizz and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and had to go to work the next day, but you know what? That's, Sometimes you got to do that in a ski town and you just make it work. All right. Well, I want to retract that. That came out as a little bit of a, a little off statement. The white powdery stuff was nothing but fizz. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. We, we believe you. Well, I'm still real disappointed, right? Like last uh, March or very beginning of April, I was supposed to be out in Girdwood and that trip got canceled, you know, because of COVID stuff. And so apparently, if and when I do make it to Alieska, now it's on the to-do list. I need to have one fizz or two fizzes or two fizz, however one says this. You'll be, you could be part of the new the Fizz Nation. You'd be the newest member. Newest member of Fizz Nation? That's amazing. Yep. Okay. That's right. If, if, you all, if you all will have me, then, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm here for you. Let's do it. We're not done talking about drinks yet because... As we've been talking about for a while now, we need to talk about coffee and we need to talk about the Jura coffee maker. Regular listeners of Gear 30 will know exactly why we need to talk about this. But again, in one of the most surprising things about 2020, which is truly saying something, right? It was me discovering that apparently there's this whole Jura nation in Girdwood and I didn't see that coming. Um, so I told you when you were texting me, this this came up and you were like, dude, I, you know, I heard you talking about coffee and coffee makers on Gear 30. You got to get a Jura. And that you were the person who enlightened me to the fact that apparently Juras are like populating Girdwood. So I just want to <laughs> give you the floor and like, tell us what's going on here. Uh, well, uh, you know, I was riding the chairlift with Paul Ford yesterday, and he reminded me that I'm going to have to talk about coffee makers uh -huh. today. Uh-huh. Because uh, I told him <laughs> we had this <laughs> meeting this morning. Uh, it was really fun to go uh, spend a day skiing with him yesterday. Got some great runs in. But uh, but yeah, back to coffee. Well, it's probably the darkest ski town in North America. So I would say maybe that has something to do with our fantastic taste for coffee and good coffee makers. Well, wait, say more because I actually found this argument compelling, but like spell, flesh this out a little bit further. Well, say, for example, I wake up at 5 a.m. with Luca because he decides that's when he wants to get up in the morning and I start the machine. And by the time I get his bottle ready, the machine's ready to go. I press a button. I have my first cup at like 5, 10 a.m. Mm -hmm. Well, it doesn't get light for the next four hours at, at minimum. So what do you do when it's dark? You, you kind of feel tired. So you might want another jolt of coffee. And then before you know it, you've gotten five cups of coffee before work. And, uh, and so that I think is one example of our good taste in coffee. You know, I know other people have different opinions, but you know, I just looking at basic facts, I, I had to do a little research 
Jura sold 400,000 units in 2019. Why wouldn't we have a few of them in Girdwood, you know? This is this is a fair point. One, I love that you did research on this. I very much appreciate this. They sold 400,000 units in 2019? Yep. Huh. Yep. And apparently half of those to residents of Girdwood. Um, the other thing, and I feel like you're being, you're being a little diplomatic here. So I'm going to, I'm going to out you a little bit. I think part of the argument was like, listen, man, you know, we often get to ski a lot of powder here in Girdwood, but sometimes it's just real dark for real long stretches of the day. And it's just a nice thing to be able to have a nice cup of coffee. And I completely support this. Right. And I think for those of us who drink a lot of coffee, I don't really care about the cost of a Jura maker because in the scheme of things, we're still talking about pennies per cup by the time it's all said and done. Right. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I will never give you flack about like, you know, these fancy, expensive coffee makers y'all are into because at the end of the day, coffee is one of the best things in the world and we should enjoy to the utmost in our daily lives. Yes, sir. Okay. I just think it's funny because it doesn't really fit. Like when I did the sound check with you and I'm like, have you eaten any food today? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, what have you had? You're like bear sausage. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's just that part of it that I get a little surprised when, you know, y'all have your, your fancy Jura coffee makers. (laughs) Good taste, I guess. Bear sausage and bear sausage and Juras. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. And uh, thank you for clarifying this. Um, thank you for putting me onto this in the first place. And I, I still mean it. I will have a Jura coming in at some point. And um, I sort of secretly hope I don't like it as much so I can like tell y'all that you guys kind of don't have it, <laughs> don't have it right over there. But we'll, we'll see. I'll be honest. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to hear. Okay. As we like to do in these Shop Talk conversations, I... I always think it's interesting to hear a bit about some of the particular equipment that, you know, you and your staff or the staff of a particular shop in a particular area is really a big fan of for use around that area. And then maybe a related question. It's like, so what the it's what the products are that you and your staff are into or just the great feedback that you're kind of getting by consensus from a number of your customers. Well, you want me to just start with uh, any any products? Let's go. All right. Well, uh, Pomoka Skins. Huh. That is one that has blown us away. Um, we ended up, well, for, you know, one point, I guess, is our, our skin sales are up 300% so far this year. And, so, and I think that's pretty normal talking to other shops. Uh, everybody wants that 50-50 or backcountry setup they've never had. Pomoka Skins flew off the shelf and we ordered as many as we could after that. And again, after that, and then they were finally gone. Um, we replaced them with contour skins, which we've had good luck with so far. We've had, you know, a couple different comments on their glues being a little bit lighter. Um, so I think if you're not hundred percent, you know, careful with how you, how you store it, it or, you know, when you're skiing with it, you got to keep it in your pack in your, on your chest or something like that. Um, I think those would be the only reasons, but Pomoka overall has just been, uh, really big success for us. Kind of on that same on the same front with the backcountry gear, uh, the Intuition Tour Wrap Liner. Have you skied that? I have not. It is. It's impressive. Um, I didn't ski it last year. I wanted to, 
but spring came around, had a baby, never put a new liner in the boot. And, uh, and so this year I got a pair of the, the Hoji free one tens and was really amazed with the, you know, the walkability. I've been able to sell them easily because of that last couple years, but, um, for sled skiing and just for quicker laps in the backcountry, having one, you know, one flip, have you skied that boot? No. And part of the reason was it just, I might be getting this confused here, but I just am like, this boot seems too wide for, you know, the boots that I'm normally touring in. But I know they've gone through some different iterations in that, but I've kind of like, I sort of checked out on that boot just because like the, I know the first iteration that came out, I think was like at a 102 millimeter last and was sort of like known to be a high volume boot. So that just usually takes me out from like, yeah, I don't review high volume boots for us. Mm -hmm. But then I know they've gone through some different iterations, but I have, uh, I have been skiing other stuff basically. Well, the, the free is different than the pro tour. I'm sure you know that. And I was amazed. It says it's wide, but it doesn't feel that wide. It actually seems to fit. Like a lot of people complain when they put it in of, of pressure points that make it sound like it's a little more narrow or, you know, Taylor's Bunyan is a common area. We have to punch that boot. So it's, does have, it's a narrow wide fit, if that makes any sense. But I was super impressed once I threw the, the tour wrap liner in there that, it, I don't know, that liner just skis great. We're big fans of the wrap liner. I don't know if you got, if you ski intuition a whole lot, but. Well, two interesting questions here. First, staying with the Hoji, what other AT boots would you say the fit is similar to? Hmm. You know, Nothing comes to mind? It's hard. It's a unique fit. Okay. I would say, if anything, it would be maybe the the Mastrale, okay. I suppose. But it's not even, it doesn't really even compare. But that, I'd put the same boot on, you know, i put both boots on the same customer, I guess, would be. Got it. Got it. So here's the thing for me with intuition. Some years ago, I tried several different iterations of intuition liners and they were just all way too high volume to fit in a the tighter shell fit that I tend to run. And I kind of just stopped, you know? And, and so we certainly have other reviewers who are big fans of Intuition liners. I just was like, I guess this isn't a product for me, but maybe that was, you know, maybe that's no longer true. But I, I'm curious to hear your take on that. But that has generally been my personal problem with intuitions is they don't tend to work with the size 26.5 low volume boots that I'm often running and reviewing. Yeah, I can see that. There are, you know, thinner liners that you can get through them. We, I think a lot of it comes down to timing in the oven and I don't know how long yours were cooked for, but it does make a big difference. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so we've had a lot of luck kind of adjusting that and I think somewhere on their site, they recommend 12 minutes, which we found like five or six minutes works perfect. Huh. Okay. So that could be something, but you know, the, the new power wraps are definitely higher volume than they used to be. Huh. And so we do, you know, you automatically want to adjust the buckles on the cuff before even going into it. So you're not doing the struggle bus of trying to really reach that as it fills up that top part. But, um, yeah, that aside, we don't need to go too long with intuition. We sell a ton of them. We offer four or five models and do really well with all of them. Um, no, but I think that's, I think that's cool to hear. And, you know, it might give some listeners an idea or two, but what is it? You just let, you were saying you really like that combination of the power wrap tour with that Hoji. 
Well, and I think it'd be the same in any touring boat. It was just only one that I tried it with. And it was, I thought because it was a wrap, even though it's got a little hinge in the back for walking, I didn't think it would be as good as a stock Dinafit. Well, it's a, it's a, um, a Cetus liner that comes with it, but I didn't think it could be as good as that. And I thought it was almost as good or better than a stock liner as far as the range of motion. So that blew me away. And, uh, and we've sell, sold a lot of those, What we're also doing with customers because everybody and their brother is coming in saying they want a boot that can go in the backcountry, even though they acknowledge that they probably won't ever go in the backcountry. <laughs> and <laughs> so, okay, wait a sec, wait a sec. So let's say out of every 10 customers who is like roughly in that category, like try to put a bit of a percentage that are like, they, they actually just straight up say like, yeah, I mean, I probably won't actually tour, but I still want to walk mode. Is this like one out of 10, two out of 10? Oh, no more. This, this early season this year, uh, people were so out, you know, upfront about it and just said, okay, well, I have a friend who went backcountry skiing and likes it. And they said, I should look for something with a walk mode. And I said, well, how many days a year, you know, do you expect to try and get in the backcountry? Cause we want to get you on something that's more appropriate for wherever you're going to be. And they said, well, I don't know that I'll ever go. And <laughs> they so, just, they just want their friends to shut up. So exactly. So people are buying ski boots with walk modes to shut up their obnoxious friends <laughs> who are like, you should go touring, which also sounds real dangerous. It sure does. It sure does. Oh, and God. all the avalanche courses are full up and there's a wait list for, for all of them around here. So so, uh, thankfully we have a really good season on the resort, so they don't even have to think about it. And, uh, and so anyways, it's pretty funny, but what we've noticed with these people that want a 50, 50 boot, we started doing this something this year that's been working great. Uh, the stock liner in a 50, 50 boot does not ski that well for that long. It is, it's a little bit lighter. It, it's not as rigid. Yada, yada. We go on forever about that. But what we end up trying to push the customer in to get the best of both worlds is get that 50 50 boot and get an intuition power app with it mm -hmm. or some sort of intuition with it. Mm -hmm. So then on your resort days, which are going to be mostly the case, you have that good aggressive skiing setup. And then on your backcountry days, all you got to do is switch your footbed and, and liner over and drop in that stock. It'll be a, a fresher liner that way and tour much better. And, and that's that. So you know, those people that are only touring maybe 10 times a year yep. or, you know, however many, it's a great option for that. And then they still get a high performance liner in a boot uh, to perform on the resort. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, when, when we did this like one boot quiver thing mm -hmm. recently, I mean, that, that was, you know, in fact, what I was saying that I would do if I had to do that, you know, ski inbounds in an AT boot. And I was like, again, because I, I personally kind of stopped trying to use intuitions and, you know, I'm open to like checking that out again, but I've had better luck fitting zip fits in just given my shell fit. And so that's what I was saying that I would probably do like put a, a zip fit world cup Gara or something into an AT boot for kind of that same effect. But that's in fact what you guys are doing. Yeah, it's great. We discount the intuition when they buy it with the boot. So it's a little more incentive to get set up proper the first time. Yep. And then they don't have to worry about two boots. You just have one boot. One boot, two liners. I'm not mad at yeah. this. I'm not mad at yeah. this. By the way, I did just ski the new Technica Cochise, like next year's Cochise. You like it? It was quite good. 
now. That's nice. that's one day, right? So mm-hmm. I a hundred percent want to see what this what the liner is doing, you know, with more days in it and and all the rest. But I put up a flash review on the boot, and it was um, it was surprising, or I was surprised, very surprised. So um, I don't know. I, I'm curious to get you know hear more reports from other folks on it, but it was a strong first impression. I will have to say, as as dismissive as I have been about skiing boots with walk modes in bounds, this was this was straight stock. I I did nothing to it other than put my normal custom footbed in and went and skied it. Yeah. So anyway. That said, I'm excited. I should be in one of the. Hopefully, I think we're getting one up to try out here in the next week or two. So, I'm excited for that. And then, what I would be interested in is, like, if you were to do that, and then maybe you also try it with, you know, that intuition liner in it. And if you're like, oh, this, like, even with that boot, if you're still like, we see a real performance enhancement if you're just riding chairs. By still taking that coaches and dropping in like an intuition or something, I think that's you'll have to report back to me on that one. Yeah, yeah, I'll try that. That'd be cool. What else you got? Hmm. Well, uh, the Dina Star M Pro Series. That have you have you spent any time on that? Yeah, more on the 108. Uh, mm-hmm. I've spent spent more time on the 108 than than the 99 so far. Tell me your thoughts. Well, I spent most time on the 99 and I, I was impressed because it seems like a ski that you can, according to the size that you would sell the customer, it can be just an easy, nimble ski to something you can actually push into and, and get performance out of. I thought it was going to be a little more, I guess, aggressive than it is. Um, so I, I think that makes it easier to sell to more people, mm-hmm. but you can still ski it aggressively. I don't know. I was impressed with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, ski the M3 108s a bit too, and I like those, but it's definitely more of a, I don't know, totally different ski. Totally different ski. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing we kept, we keep saying about that ski, the 108 is that we were just surprised how loose it is, which is a cool feeling. But I think that, you know, if for those of us who, when we think kind of 108 ish, all mountain 108 ish, then we maybe start thinking about a Cochise or even thinking about like Rozzy's Sender 108 Ti. Those skis just don't feel nearly as loose as that, as the Dinastar 108. And I think for some people who want that surfier feel or will definitely be using it in softer or deeper conditions. That's where I think that ski, like, I don't know. I'm thinking about like skiing it at Mount Bachelor, just mobbing, mobbing Bachelor through tighter trees or something. I think that ski would be an absolute blast in really steep, scraped off, wind scoured, techie stuff. I personally don't want a ski that is going to feel quite that loose. That was kind of my take. Yeah, totally. I agree. I, I skied the 182 last year. We got it up last spring and kind of just dropped in normally in the bowl here and it was it was a I don't know maybe nine or ten inch powder day with some wind blown and you'd hit these pockets and it felt like at one point like the tip of it actually hit my hip <laughs> I was, like, what? I was like what the hell just happened here I don't know I don't know what's going on so I was like okay I gotta ski a little differently on these things and once you kind of adjusted your stance I did some north face laps on it and just had a really good time certainly I upsize on that ski on the 108 for people that are 
you know, skiing a little bit faster and harder to uh-huh. go up a size. It's still, I think, a really fun ski. Yeah, for sure. Super fun. It's like, I agree. it's like maybe it's too fun, right? Like <laughs> in that, in that sense of like for certain terrain, like I want to dial back the fun and just, yeah. and keep it real, you know, like I want to really, I want something that feels a little more precise than just loose, fun, slarvy. And um, anyway, that's my take. Totally. By the way, back to Pomoka Skins for a minute. Is that a newer thing that you guys are carrying? We start, I think it's our third season. We dabbled the yep. two springs ago, and then last year was our first full season with them, and then this year again. So, yeah, I think it's our third season. Well, that's interesting, and it, it's interesting to hear that it just sounds like you're, you know, kind of getting more and more traction. Excuse the, I, nice, excuse, nice excuse the pun <laughs> uh, on those. If to to flip the question just a little bit. Are you getting a sense of like customer consensus around Girdwood where everybody seems to be loving X? I mean, maybe the answer is already like, yeah, the Pomoka skins, but is there anything on like the ski, the ski or boot side where you're just like, I don't know, kind of seems to be the, the product of the moment for, for Girdwood folks. You know, I, it's still so strong with the coaches, the coaches 130 is a boot that like most people don't come in and request a, an RX 100 or something like that. You know, it's like the people that are coming in and say, Hey, do you have the Cochise 130? And you're like, well, why don't we take a look at your foot and see, well, my buddy has, and he loves it. So I want to get it. And you know how that goes. It's like, all right, well let's measure your foot and see what it actually might fit better. Uh, And you know, because the Cochise fits so many different feet, well, we're able to sell that boot well. And so that's, I think, one of the most popular, definitely the Atomic Hawks Ultra XTD as well. It definitely, because people don't mind carrying that four buckle boot uphill and on the snow machine, sorry, snowmobiles, that kind of stuff where they just want a four buckle kind of hard, hard skiable boot on the way down. Um, those two seem to be what more the, the locals are coming in wanting so far, at least. I'm, I'm excited to see the new walk mode on the coaches coming up for next year. But we've had really good luck with that series. And then as far as ski goes, it's it's amazing how many rustlers we've been selling. Which one? The Not- ten. We sell we don't sell the nine, but the, the ten and eleven and the women's ten and men's ten, we cannot keep them in stock. Huh. Interesting. That's not yeah. what I would have predicted for Alieska. I know. And it's crazy. You're you're on the lift and or you're under the lift and everyone has these orange bases on their skis. And you're just like, Oh my gosh, blizzard, 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 blizzard. And, uh, and it's because the free ride team here, I don't know what percentage, but a huge percentage of them are on that ski, whether it's the 10 or the 11 mm-hmm. and they rip around on them throwing doubles and whatever else is, is going on and everybody can see it, you know? And they're like, Oh, that's the, the rustlers or whatever. So maybe that's a reason where there's a following behind them, but it's a fun surfy pass ski. Interesting. Well, hey, anything else we should cover here? I feel bad because it's like, hey, we just had like a billion inches fall and the shop is busy and I'm sitting here talking to you. So I feel like I should <laughs> hey, let you go. But uh, I want to talk to you about the Duke PT. Let's talk about the Duke the only, PT. Yeah. What uh, what have you experienced with it? I haven't skied it yet. We've sold a little bit of them, but uh, it's definitely nothing compared to the shift sales. Mm-hmm. Every time we get 10 or 15 more shifts in they already have names on them before they even arrive. Huh. Uh, whereas the Dukes aren't like that. And I want to see how we can, you know, 
help sell that thing to be a similar customer. I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. I mean, we put a number of days on the Duke PT last March and April, basically right when kind of chairlift shut down everywhere. We just basically started skiing, you know, a lot of backcountry. So I like, I haven't personally skied the Duke PT this year, but I mean, yeah, like the, the take on it that we've sort of had has been, if you are somebody, you were kind of describing the person who walks in and they're like, I want to boot with a walk mode, but I'm probably never going into the backcountry. Like, this is not some quantitative test we've run, but what we've kind of said was, if you're really just going to go bash around inbounds, slamming moguls, you know, being mean to your equipment on low tide days inbounds, we would opt for the Duke over the shift for that application. The Duke just weighs a little bit more, um, feels just like a little bit burlier. Um, but if you are somebody who's like really torn between the shift and the Duke for true backcountry touring and walking uphill, that's where we are would tend to like be telling people you should consider the shift. Where that changes is, again, I think for, for the bigger the skier, the heavier the skier, the harder they're going, currently our inclination is to say the bigger, harder you're going, the more we think you maybe ought to be considering the Duke. And, you know, it's, it's a newer binding. We will see about durability issues with it. So this is just based off of our initial testing of it, right? And, um, you know... But that's kind of been our take. And I mean, we didn't have problems with it. Uh, we probably had four four of our reviewers cycling through and putting days on the Duke PT. We haven't had issues so far. That doesn't mean issues can't or won't arise. But that's kind of been our take. But yeah, I mean, I guess like to wrap up this long answer to your question, if you told me I get the whole, you know, the you're going to ski all the rest of your, like another 80 days this year in bounds, you have to do it every single day on one pair of shifts or one pair of Duke PTs. I'd probably opt for the Duke PT. Hmm. Just That's for the durability of banging around in wind scoured, low tide, rock hard mogul stuff, right? But if you said, well, look, you get one binding, but you're still going to do a full spring of touring. That's when I'll probably personally be like, all right, give me the shift and I'll just try to ski with a bit more finesse in bounds. So I, I'm, this is, I hope what people hear, heard here is I'm not willing to make the definitive statement like clearly this binding for everything or even clearly this binding for these particular applications. I, I, I do think that like we need, we need more information, we, you know, more days, whatever, till declaring like the clear cut, obvious winner. Did that make sense? Uh, totally. Yeah. I mean, just looking at them on the board, you can kind of tell that Duke seems beefier. You can kick yeah. snow off your boot and, yeah. and all that stuff. That's right. just had incredible success for us. And I think it skis phenomenally. Me I too. I doubt that Duke, Duke skis well too. Yeah. So. In, in terms of sheer, in, in terms of sheer ski ability, I really like how both of them ski. 
I really do. And and that is, that's not going to be the, if you and I are going to ski inbounds and we're just like, which of these bindings do I feel like skis better or feels better? That's not going to be the thing that makes the decision for me. You know what I mean? Like if we're just doing the downhill part, you can pick whichever one you want and I'll happily ski the other. I think it's like, okay, but now we're going to go touring and now you know, I've just, I've skied the shift for several years now, right? I really like that binding. You've got other people out there who've had problems with the shift or whatever. I think those people should have reason to take a look at the Duke PT. For me personally, I have not had issues with the shift. And for that reason, when we're just getting into touring, it's harder for me to like be that excited about, all right, you're popping off this toe piece and throwing it in your pack, right? I, the shift has not given me personally reason to like add those extra steps. For sure. Yeah. Which is why it's probably still more popular. Could be. However, for those people that, like you said, mostly just at resort, that Duke seems like a good sell through. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's our experience so far. Good. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page with that. Yeah. Nice to be on the same page with somebody who eats bear sausage and only drinks coffee from a Jura. <laughs> If only we could get these juras out to hunting camp, that would really be a ticket. <laughs> oh no, that's that's when you're going to have to just turn in your Alaskan street cred card <laughs> when you when you start doing that. Hey, if you bring it down a, a boat full of meat, it doesn't matter that's, what coffee you're drinking. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, hey man, this this has been fun. Good to catch up. Anything else? I will say I took out the uh, 192 Cochise 106 yesterday. And, uh, definitely whooped my butt, um, <laughs> skiing, skiing lap after lap and hitting North face a few times. And just, I, I mounted it a little bit forward. I'm just barely 170 now. So flexing that thing. However, when you point it straight that I was, I don't know, I'm, we've all skied, a lot of people ski the coaches. It's a fun ski, but, uh, unlike any of the new stuff, I will say that. Have you spent time on the 185? Yes. Love it. Me too. It like love it and maybe, I mean, honestly love it. And I just don't, there's really like, I just have no personal um, deep interest in bumping up to a 192 and especially not for here in Crested Butte. Mm -hmm. But um, no, totally. I was, it was a a ski that I had picked of what was available for them to send me after their, um, their intro, early intro last spring. And it showed up and I said, all right, saddle up. We're getting on the 192. And, you know, that last run down yesterday when, I don't know, maybe I was able to hit 75 miles an hour on it. <laughs> I felt re- really freaking stable. <laughs> well, that's that's nice. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's a fun ski, but definitely size matters on that one. Huh. Interesting. Well, hey, man, appreciate the conversation. Good to, good to catch up. I don't know, frankly, what my spring is going to end up looking like, but I'm... I was real crushed that I didn't get out last spring to see you guys. And uh, I'm not making any commitments or promises yet, but I will hold out, you know, hope maybe to come see you and, 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 you know, join Fizz Nation. You got to be part of the Fizz Nation. <laughs> I do. <laughs> do we get like t-shirts or anything or do I have to get stickers. like stickers? You get stickers. Like stickers, but you're not going to like brand me with like a cattle, with a cattle <laughs> brand or anything like that. Should I... Oh, I, I've never seen that, but that would be nice. That's a good idea. I'll, I'll bring that today. <laughs> bring that in front of the Fizz Nation committee and see if that's something that, yeah. They'll probably say only for me. 
That's right. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Um, Hey man, I'll let you get back to it. Um, thanks. Good luck in Girdwood with the rest of the season. Good luck at Powderhound. Please say hi to the rest of the staff there for us. We'll be talking to you soon. Thanks, Jonathan. It was great. Great to be on the show again. And uh, good luck with the summit next month. Mm. That should be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I got to say, it's shaping up really well. It is, uh, as everybody already knows, who's sort of in the like event space, turns out it's a hell of a lot of work. But um, we're super excited about how it's coming together. And uh, so, yeah, uh, should be a very interesting time. So, yeah, thanks for thanks for asking about that. Yeah. Um, awesome, man. Well, hey. Uh, I'll let you go. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jonathan. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. It's time for our What We're Celebrating segment. And today, I want to give a shout out to those things in life that are both exhausting and simultaneously exhilarating. Those things that just require everything you've got. And one of the things I think is really cool about like the world and being alive is that there are actually a ton of people around the globe doing these sorts of things all the time. Tons of them. And this week, I want to raise a glass in particular to the runner Jim Walmsley for his massive effort in attempting to break the 100K ultramarathon record. Jim missed a new record by 11 seconds. And he's going to be going for the record attempt again. And I just want to say kudos to Jim for that effort and for so quickly on the heels of that, dusting himself off and being like, I'm going for this thing again. Now, we also talked about on our Blister podcast about this first winter summit of K2 led by Nims and his team of nine fellow Nepalese climbers. That is also just a massive effort and a world historical event. So cheers to Nims and his team. And then in our own tiny little way, I want to give a shout out to our team here at Blister, which is just currently giving everything we've got to putting on this new Blister Summit, while also simultaneously keeping going everything else that we do here at Blister. This is all requiring that a number of us are absolutely redlining right now, and I'm very grateful to and I'm very proud of our crew for what they are doing. And, you know, since I am personally redlining at the moment, I mentioned an important update at the beginning of this episode. We have officially ordered a Jura A1 coffee maker. And while I don't know exactly when it's going to be arriving yet, we will now be putting together what is arguably going to be our most important head-to-head review ever in the history of Blister, a battle of two heavyweights, the Jura A1 versus the Technivorm Mocha Master, or Mocha Master, however you say that. And yeah, now is honestly a pretty ideal time to be testing caffeine-producing machines, because I'm back to barely sleeping. So anyway, point is that to all of you out there doing hard things, I will actually raise this cup of coffee that I'm currently holding in my hand. I raise it to you, and then if I happen to make it to actually get in a bed tonight... I will raise a small glass of Whistlepig 15-year-old rye to you as well. Uh, Keep going hard. And keep in mind my favorite quote from the philosopher Spinoza. All excellent things are as difficult as they are rare. Amen to that. And cheers, everybody. 
And that, my friends, brings us to the end of this episode of Gear 30. I want to say thanks to Eric for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. Justin is definitely doing his own sustained amount of redlining these days. Cheers to you, J-Bob. And then, of course, thanks to all of you for listening. Now, don't forget to check out the Blister Summit, which you will find on the navigation bar of our blisterreview.com website. And from all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again on Monday over on our Blister Podcast. Cheers, everybody.